It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com I'm Neil Zacharias and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. My guest on the podcast today is the co-founder and CEO of Halsa, a company that has invented the next generation of oat milk products using a revolutionary and simple chemical-free process to make plant-based milks and yogurts. Mika believes Helsa is what the future of plant-based will look like in a few years. Their innovation allows oat milks, yogurts, and other plant-based products to be made without a single artificial ingredient, keeping all the beneficial nutrients of the whole grain oats intact. The company's organic oats are grown sustainably by family farmers who know how to preserve the many health benefits of whole grain oats. This main ingredient is glyphosate-free, irrigated by rain only, and grown with zero water footprint. Helsa products are crafted with no processed sugar or sugar substitutes, no food gums, pectin, citric acid, synthetic vitamin mixes, or industrial phosphates. Given the state of the world right now, it is more important than ever to make healthy food choices. And Helsa is pushing the plant-based food industry to do better from a sustainability and health standpoint. I chatted with Mika about a range of topics, from the story of his company and a new program they have launched to help dairy farms grow organic oats, to the popularity of oat milks and yogurts, and the future of plant-based foods. I have a feeling you're going to love this episode. Mika from Halsa, thank you for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here. I want to start off with talking about your journey to the point where you started this company. Uh, tell me your background and what made you want to start a company in this space. So my wife and I and our son and a little dog, we migrated here in 1995 straight to L.A. Um, with a great aspiration of being in the film business, as all of us. Um, we met in Finland when she was a creative director at McCann Erickson, and I was a young and upcoming photographer and a filmmaker and a director. Um, so a couple of years struggled, and then we I hit it pretty darn big here. Um, so ran, we ran our own production company. 
for the next 10 years. Um, did a whole slew of commercials, um, a lot of car commercials. Uh, as a director, DP also photographed a lot, um, Vanity Fair and all these other guys. And then got really, really burned mm. on that side of business where you're at the very end of creating brands when it's all been done for you. And so we moved into the food business. We were consulting for a couple of years. And then we launched our first um, oat-based um, milk. And we were the first ones on the market, by the way, 10 years ago with a company called Simply S-I-M-P-L-I. Did pretty darn well with that for the next next couple of years. Um, expanded super rapidly. Had all the uh, made all the mistakes and all the good things that you can actually do. And then our um, European counterpart, because it was a uh, um, joint venture, um, they decided to pull out of the business, and we literally lost the business, and we lost everything overnight. Mm. Uh, so it was a uh, bit of a rough patch for the next two years to kind of collect your you know yourself from the floor and and figuring out that like oh my god what are we going to do next and then but we were very very passionate about that oats are the way to go so six years ago we started again and but this time we wanted to create a product that truly hits the three cornerstones that that, that we believe personally in which is you know 100 clean on everything not only the label but also the the process how you make your product but also, we wanted to be completely sustainable, and and you know, it took four and a half years to come up with the um, how to actually make the yogurt and the the milk and and all the other products that we have uh, completely clean. Um, so, in you know, we uh, have a couple patents on the product. We have a patent on the on the process, and um, you know, and you you do that for six years, and and as I call it, you hit the you know the double seven, which is you know one startup year is seven human years and it's also <laughs> add seven pounds <laughs> to you every year and um, we finally launched about a year ago and here we are well that's a long journey because I, I you know the product and the company seem to have at least from my perspective come out of nowhere mm. and um when you let's go back to to simply and and you said you were doing oat milk 10 years ago was that here in the u.s or like where was simply sold well, simply was sold in U.S. We were in forty-three states. Um, really? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We we went. You know, you can oh. still find all the stuff on the on, online about it. Yeah, we went pretty pretty fast, pretty wide. Um, essentially, it's exactly the same product that all these other guys have on the market right now, <laughs> made with enzymes and a very heavy, big processing system that mm-hmm. removes everything that's good in oats, mm-hmm. spins it out, and at the end, you basically have just sugar water that you add, you know, water to it because it's too sugary at that point, and then. You know, you add your gallon gums and whatever other binders they use and, you know, uh, carrageenan or canola oil or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And then you slap a label, you know, in a, in a box says that it's, it's, it's oat milk. And there's, <laughs> there's no oats in it. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, wow. That's good. Sorry. To <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's um, you know, it, we have started to reach that phase uh, we've gone through the the first few years where everyone was just excited that every little uh, nut and seed and grain had been milked to turn that into a plant-based milk. And, of course, we've seen that the the category of liquid milk just go uh, grow at a fascinating pace. I mean, now, according to recent data, it occupies about 14% of liquid milk sales. That's all of plant-based milk. And first it was almonds. And then almonds got attacked for being the fact that most of the milk actually didn't have much almonds in it. And then came the new wave of, of oats. And, of course, now we've known for the last couple of years, oats are the new darling. Um, 
And from from a complete naive uh, bystander's perspective, one would have assumed Halsa is just jumping onto that oat bandwagon. But it's good to know that you've had this long history with oats and you've done it the wrong way, or maybe not the best way. And I've now figured out that maybe there's a better way, and it took a while for you to get to this point. <laughs> yeah, no, we we did this very much on purpose, and I'll, I'll I'll get a little technical here if you don't mind. No, I'd love it. Okay, so so the the process that oat milks, almost all of them that are on the market right now, um, is called they use enzymes. So you and I have enzymes in our liver. You know, we need enzymes to break down you know some of the bad stuff that we do, like alcohol and all the other mm-hmm. the other stuff. It makes you feel good, but you gotta have to get rid of it at some point. So enzymes help you on that. Now, um, when most of the oat milks on the market are made is that um, you, they take the oats, they soak them, they go through a centrifuge to get rid of most of the, the, the gunks that in it, um, you know, little bits and pieces of oats. Um, then you have to use some sort of a pH dropping device or, or, or chemical into that. And usually it's, it's sulfur acid, which is the same as you use in a car battery. To, to change the pH a little bit so you can throw in the enzymes because enzymes don't get active until the mm. pH is in the right right level. And after that, um, it becomes this really sugary syrup. This, by the way, is really close to how you make also high fructose corn syrup. And at that point, then it's really, really sugary and it kind of has all these other bits and pieces and it's still left, like the fiber and all that. Well, it goes through a centrifuge again and after that, it's just very, very sweet um, sugar water. So the enzymes change. The, the enzymes don't enhance anything. There is no such a thing as gently enzyming something. Mm. Um, I don't know if it isn't even a word. But um, so it changes the starch. It changes everything in the oats into just glucose syrup. And then it's so sweet that you have to add X amount of parts of water. Um, to make it actually drinkable, and then you add your whatever vanilla or cocoa, and like I said, you usually have to use some sort of a oil in it. Canola oil is used very often because it's cheap and really available, and it kind of has a pleasant mouthfeel to it, so you have that milky t- texture to it, and then you sell it as oat milk. The reason why plain oat milk, by the way, it's made of this way, because I hear this sometimes, like, why does it, why does it still then taste like oats? Mm. Well, the flavor isn't a protein. So enzymes don't break the protein. So the I protein see. stays in there, so that's why you got the, still the flavor. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's it. But I'm going, going back a little bit with the... Uh, so what we do is completely different. Mm-hmm. So we take the oats, whole grain oats, um, we mill them, as everybody does, um, and then we add water and we ferment them and make them into a yogurt. We don't add anything. We don't remove anything. We don't add any sugar. Um, all the sugar is from from the uh, for the berries or the from the fruit. We don't use any kind of binders, no stabilizers, nothing like that. We went very much with the uh, with the European standard on these things. So so um, the additives here that we actually use a name for them, like gelan gum or guar gum or mm-hmm. any kind of gum. Um, in Europe, those are considered to be additives, and they have an e-code, and e-code is never natural. Right. So as soon as a product has an e-code, we don't use it. Hmm. Um, we also so. So our 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 product, literally the the drinkable yogurt that we have, the eight ounces has same amount of oat fiber that you would have when you eat a bowl of oatmeal. It's whole grain oats. It's never been touched. 
And no one else is doing this the way you guys are doing it right no. now. No, they're not. And, and, no, and no one knows how it's done. And trust me, that's been a bit of a uh, hurdle with the investors. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you've got some, some big names backing you, right? You've got Gary Hirschberg from Stonyfield. Yeah. You've got Danone's Manifesto Ventures that has invested in you. You've got Andrew Abram from Orgain. So yeah. These are people who know their stuff, right? And mm-hmm. they aren't just going to blindly align themselves with someone uh, unless they see that there's some long-term gain here. Um, so uh, how long did it take you for you to figure this out? And you know, we can obviously take this conversation in many different directions. One is oats in themselves are, are, are a great answer to some of the problems with our food system right now, which is why... You know, firstly, they're gaining in popularity because they have a good sustainability story compared to some of the other plant-based milks. Yeah. But also, they, they tend to perform really well in, in coffee and as uh, as we've learned from some of the success of other companies in the milk space specifically. And of course, then you have the yogurt space, which we, we can we can also talk about a lot because I have many thoughts on that space uh, and the products in that category. So let's start with really... Um, you worked on this technology. Where were you sourcing the oats from? How, where was this being worked on? Um, how did you start from ground zero after mm. you your previous company didn't go exactly as planned to the point where... And one, keep in mind, while you were working on all this, the frenzy around the plant-based milk space is starting to happen. People are launching oat milks. People are launching yogurts in that space while you're sitting and developing this technology. Um, walk me through that process a little bit about how did you keep your heads down and and get to where you are now? <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. That's a that's a very very broad question. So, um, no, the the oat category had not even started when we started this. Okay. So and and so when we started was that was six years ago, and six years ago we started working on this. Like I said, with the three pillars, we have to do a sustainable product because you know the the. the the future of the planet lays on our shoulders really hard. It, it, it really bugs me. Um, the second piece, that we're going to do a product that's completely clean, that will that we don't use enzymes, that we don't use any additives to it. Um, and, and, and then we had to be able to do this, this the way that um, we have the process that has a that is that it is scalable, and we can go into existing plants that we don't have to raise money seventy five million dollars to build our own plant. We have to be able to to go into any existing dairy plant, basically just drop it in and start working on it. So we started that six years ago. Um, the beautiful thing is that there's a um, governments in in Sweden and in Finland on uh, the 80s and 90s. Um, invested quite a lot of money on the universities and, and professors who did a lot, a lot of studies on, on oats and how oats react. Um, there's a handful of people kind of left because everybody's getting a little old and everybody's retired and all that. Um, and we we found these two, two who we call the old wizards who understand how this starts and proteins and fiber act and how you're going to do this and what happens when you do that and this and, and started working with these two guys. But it was literally... My wife and I in a pilot dairy plant day in, day out. So the, 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 think about it this way. So we figured out that how do we get the oats to the, to, the, to the stage that we can actually start working on them. So what kind of, you know, we can add bacteria to it so we can ferment it. So we can, you know, go pro, you know, probiotics and all this part. So the fermentation is really funny because there's probably about 2,400 different kinds of commercial available strains of bacteria out there that mm-hmm. you can use to make wine or cheese or 
beer or whatever you do. Now trying to try to narrow that down that might work with oats it takes mm-hmm. a bit of a bit, <laughs> bit of a time and and it really really ages you fast because it's super frustrating because <laughs> you have to wait hours and hours and hours and go like well that didn't work, um, and and so we we spend quite a lot of time on that. In the meanwhile, I was hitting every single investor contact that I had mm-hmm. and and I got laughed at six years ago. There was like no one's interested in oats, man. No, the, it's it's in almonds and soy is still doing pretty well. And and I'm trying to tell this story about like how environmentally friendly we are. We have a zero water footprint. You know, we, it's organic. We don't use any pesticides and fertilizers. And it was really really frustrating. So definitely not hot category at that time. <laughs> um, well, then you know, two years late. I mean, t- two years ago. So four four years later, when we started, we we got to the point that we actually had the product ready. And that's when we, when I met with the Dano Manifesto guys and Gary Hirschbergs and all these other people. Dano Manifesto actually came in really early. They invested in us first time about a year and a half ago, two years ago already. And they now they came in more in the second round. Yeah. But well, our first real round that we just did, you know. So where, where else was I? Yes, the sustain, sustainability. Let me talk about that a little bit. Because sure. you, you touched it earlier. That, I mean, well, you know, we know that the almonds are... Uh, almond milk is probably not that good for you and all that. Well, think about it this way. One single almond, literally one almond, takes two gallons of water mm-hmm. to grow. And we all grow, we grow them all here right, in the Central in Valley. Yeah. <laughs> 10% of the water that we have is used to grow almonds. It's, there's no way in hell that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. And 80% of the world's al- almonds come from this yeah. one state. Yeah. <laughs> the whole world's almonds. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, this I mean, is a state which obviously has water issues on top of that. Plus, you have the bees, and I don't know if you've read all the recent reports. I'm yes. sure you've been keeping up with them. Yes, so. very much. I hate to bash an ingredient or no, no, an so do I. category, it's not, it's, but so do, no, it's no, the reality. It's the reality. And, and I'm, I'm not – so so here's, here's the thing, just to make this clear. I'm not bashing any of these other guys, like your know, almonds and, and coconut water, which is just, <laughs> just an environmental disaster. But I think the problem is that when something becomes so um, – so hyped up and we love some product so much and we go like well that's a great answer so I can get rid of dairy because dairy has its own problems you know its own footprint and carbon footprint and all that kind of stuff sometimes we we, we don't fully understand what we're doing until we down the road so far we go like my god we made this a monster it's Mm -hmm. now it's so big that it's actually hurting everybody it is not anymore just a nice little you know, add on to things for you so I think that we just have to get a lot smarter and really really fast you know, I, I always said that the, the the state of the planet right now is it's it, it, it's kind of sucky in the sense that, you know, you and I were too young, when, but our parents had a hell of a party for mm-hmm. years and years and years, you know. And once you and I became of age, they just turned out and goes like, all right, you can clean it up now. <laughs> I don't know why my dad would sound like that. but <laughs> I like it. No, I like it. Go with it. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean... Hindsight is always sort of twenty twenty, right? And and I think there's examples of that even now happening, right? You look back at the what we've done with our food system only in the last sixty to seventy years. We, I don't know if if actually if I worked in the food industry back then, I probably you and I would have made the same mistakes. We would oh have, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, we would I'm, have said <laughs> this is this is this is what people want to eat. This is where opportunity is. And maybe sustainability wasn't the biggest concern back then or resource use. Plus, you know, the lack of diversification in ingredients. I mean, look at the American food supply. We just rely largely on a few ingredients. Well, majority of our calories are coming from just a few crops. Yeah. Um, and true. so that 
I, I, I mean, the smart person would have stepped back and said, that's great, but eventually you're going to run into problems. And not just because what we're doing to the planet, obviously, but also because you are eventually going to drain those resources and destroy your soil to the point where you just can't even keep up your business to the point where you need it to be. And you're just not going to be financially sustainable. So here we are now in 2020. Um, and we know we've made those mistakes in the past. Yet, if you look back at just the last few years, even in the plant-based food space, there's sometimes people who operate with blinders on. And of course, as you know, my podcast covers the space and I talk to everyone in it. And I don't mind challenging some of the assumptions that we have, which is let's acknowledge that there are some constraints where if you want to do, say, a plant-based meat, you have to rely on certain proteins. You might want to use the most sustainable plant protein, but maybe there's no supply chain for it. So I get that from a business standpoint. Sometimes you have to make the decision to choose either pea protein or soy protein because if you want to try something else, you're kind of out of luck at the moment mm. unless you, you really have massive amounts of funding and you can go do it yourself. So bringing that into the milk space, which is actually the leader, milks, yogurts, the entire non-dairy category, we've, we've seen this few waves. And I think the fact that even a company like yours has emerged at a time where you've been able to not only see what's happened with almond milk and almond yogurts and that whole category and coconut and all the non-dairy ones, but then while you were building this technology, oat milk became the new darling of, of the world. Oh, right oats yep. are the new darling. So so let's get into your products, right? You've talked about the technology. It, it scares me that what others are not doing that, but obviously I'm glad that you are. Tell me how you're able to create this clean, without the how, let's just tell, tell me more about the products in terms of when you say it's clean ingredients and the process is clean, what are you really getting in your end product and what products do you have in the market? Because I'm assuming a lot of people listening to this have never even tried it. Unfortunately, yet. Not yet. Not they yet. Will. They Not will. Yet. They will. <laughs> All right. So um, so we have we have two lines right now. We have spoonable yogurt and we also have a drinkable yogurt. Um, the reason why people have not heard it that much is because we've been in the East Coast. We very much of New York and East Coast play mm-hmm. right now. Not for long though. We'll, we're coming to we're coming to my home turf, LA, as well. You know, <laughs> by the by the fall. So our oats come from from Scandinavia. We are part of a co-op. We have 50, 50 farmers there. We 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 part of that that group that grows our organic oats. So, like I said earlier, the water water footprint is zero. The, the fields are not irrigated. You know, rains enough. Um, and but the quality of oats and the type of oats, the breed, if you if you will, um, has the the best flavor profile for us. So, for example, in U.S., 90% of the oats that are grown in U.S. go to animal feed. They're super low, super low quality. They're not meant meant to be, you know, um, used for, for humans because, you know, they they little this and that and they're going to cheaper cheaper way and they, they probably grow on the fields that no one's really expecting that great of a yield anyway. Just throw, throw in oats there and, you know, at the end of the end of the year, they feed the, they, 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 they livestock or their horses. Um, so we could not find an oat on a market in U.S. or Canada that would hit their mark for us from the flavor profile on from the point of view, like how much protein's in it, 
Um, we get it gets very very we get very picky about this stuff. Mm. So that is the reason why we import everything from Scandinavia right now. Um, however, we now have also entered the last leg of the third piece of our our puzzle. How we do this, which is that we want we now have a first farm in U.S. that's going to do a test over the summer. It's an existing dairy farm. It's an organic dairy farm that has 300 acres of land and we took a slice of that land and we're planting our our own oats mm. uh, which has got the soil study done it's very very much into you know like we we uh, knees deep in it literally because it's really muddy um, <laughs> knee, knee, knees deep into that project right now and I'm very very excited about the fact that we can we can actually start growing our oats in US um, so that's that's the piece of the oats. What we do then is that we always look go to the mill, and this is our, this is where our patent lies. Um, what we do at that point will come then the product, the oats arrive at our plant, and we use pea protein to to get the uh, the protein count up to the um, same level as you would have in a regular yogurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally, I make the yogurt, I make all of it. So we have a co-packer, but for the couple days a week that that we run our product i'm i'm the floor manager i walk in and i i make the i make the product with our guys uh my spanish has got a hell of a lot better so that's that's no it's it's wonderful i love it i mean and this I, is your own facility that you have no it's a co-packer so this is the co-packer yeah so the, we have we have a deal with the co-packer and and they they fully on board um they're really good people mm-hmm. um we're about two hours out of the city in new york that's where our first plant um but i have to admit you know it's it's been it's been a hell of a learning curve um because you think that you know these things and i thought myself that i'm i'm pretty proficient you know making yogurt and dairy products and all that however <laughs> once you once you hit the floor and you start manufacturing you will run into all kinds of all kinds of issues um so the first six months eight months was very much of learning last year we got into full groove you know we it's um uh, we're jiving pretty darn well right now, mm-hmm. and uh, we got the cups out. So we we brought out the drinks first, uh, did pretty pretty darn well with those, and then we. So you brought, had the drinkable yogurt, yeah, oat gourd. Oat gourd, yeah, <laughs> it's all oat gourd, mm-hmm. you know. So the oat gourd came out, the drinkable oat gourd came out in, in 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 about a year and a half ago, and then we brought out the cups last fall. Okay. The cups were a little trickier to make um, because how do you how do you get it into that? That form that it's firmer, you know, mm-hmm. and and it cuts well with the spoon and all these. And the mouthfeel is good and all that. Um, we've been really lucky from the get go that we have a uh, we have a fan base. We we we're very fast found the people in, in New York who who dig us. Mm-hmm. Um, who so here's here's what I did when we when we kind of messed up. So we had a uh, we had a patch that went out and for whatever reason we we still don't know because it, it it got out of factory clean. But at some point it. It hit the hit the store and and we had few people calling like, dude, this has gone sour. This is really bad, mm. and and th- those are the worst news you can hear. Now on 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 everybody who's on on you know on perishable business like we are on either on dairy or non dairy, everybody's been dealing with this. I mean, mm-hmm. like there's there's not a one company who hasn't dealt with something like this. Obviously, a heart drops when you get these emails and you go like, oh my god, how are we going to handle this? So I called them all. Mm. One by one, wow, and and it was really funny because there was literally two of us at that point, <laughs> Helena, myself, my wife, and I, and Helena was handling the the health customer care emails, right? This is like, well, you know, this is customer care, and you know, what, can you give us your phone number, and you know, the CEO will call you. So I would call people and go like, I'm so sorry, you know, let me let me let me make it up to you. 
But here's the cool thing. When you do that, the customers were saying like, oh, no, I love your product. I just wanted you to know. I'm still buying it. <laughs> I just bought everything last week. You know, yeah, you just had a one bad bottle. Hell with it. That's fine. They were so excited. But here's, here's the best part of it is that they were then sending emails back to Helsa Customer Care. Your CEO is an awesome guy. <laughs> <laughs> I still I still have those. I'll you print should frame them. those. <laughs> I do. I did. <laughs> That'll help you on days when things aren't going well. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, that's 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 great. And so um, obviously you were able to correct the problem and, and yeah, yeah, we and did. move forward. So how long has these products been on sale in the East Coast? You said about a year. Yeah. So the drinkable has been out for a year and a half. Okay. And the spoonable, you know, only a few months because we literally launched it in in October. Wow. Okay. And so the you know. Let's talk about the yogurt category, sure. Because it's, uh, I've been closely following, like, because everyone always has this question: what's the next best? What's the next thing we are thinking about in the plant-based space? Oh, I already know that, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably work on it for six years, and then we'll hear about it. We've been working on it for two and a half. Oh, it's al- it's almost been. done. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, everyone. At this this time, obviously, you go when you look at plant based meats and the burger category. Obviously, it's starting to get a little saturated, but it tells you the tremendous potential that nearly every other company is now coming out with a with a new, impossible, awesome, uh, emergent, whatever the brand name may be, burger that is sitting in the meat aisle now. And then you look at the plant based liquid milk category. I mean. Majority of it is now, if you go to the dairy aisle, a lot of it is just plant-based milks of every kind of seed and nut and grain out there, uh, which is excellent. And so in the last year or so, everyone's been thinking, well, maybe yogurt's the next thing, right? And maybe it's in your head, it's you've been thinking that for years now. Mm. But you look at dairy sales in general, you look at liquid dairy sales are declining over year over year as plant-based continues to grow. You look at the yogurt category specifically, uh, I think the most recent numbers that came out said that the plant-based yogurts is a subcategory within yogurts that's been growing about 31%, while dairy continues to either flatline or decline, which um, then made me want to dig deeper into like what happened to yogurts because so, yogurts were like so popular for so long. There was like the whole Greek yogurt wave and then the Icelandic yogurt yeah. and then prebiotics and probiotics. And um, and then according to some, you know, some experts, there's just been too much choice in the marketplace. Like apparently in some grocery stores you go and you get to have to choose between 300 types of yogurts and flavors and packaging and, 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 and formats. Why did you stick with yogurt and not go with milk first? Was it merely a product decision based on the potential in the product category, or was it because of the manufacturing process? No, we had a, um, we actually, what we did first was the milk. We had the milk done. And by the time I'm we're looking at it going like, okay, so we have to milk. This is by far the best milk out there. So we should launch this. And we looked at it like that was just a, just a time when it was kind of gaining momentum. And I'm like, my God, it's going to be raised to the bottom with pricing and everything. That mm-hmm. Everybody's going to throw in all they have in this. So that was a choice at that point that we decided not to bring the milk out, but to go with the yogurt. Because we did this side by side. We, we have a whole portfolio of other products as well. But but we just figured out the milk will be an issue because there's going to be so much competition. First year, last year, 
At the end of last year, there were 18 different oat milks on the market. So you have all these guys. You have your Oatly. You know, Oatly is owned by the largest corporation in the world. It's a China resource. It owns mm-hmm. Oatly, right? So they have all the money on the planet, mm-hmm. right? You have Danone that has all the money on the planet. So you have these super big guys. Hood is in the market. I mean, they're humongous. So, so the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to buy all the shelf space there is available for you. So as a small guy, you're going to, you're going to really, really struggle on that. And then the pricing is going to go down. And like I said, it's going to be raised to the bottom really fast. So that was a, that was a very clear choice from our point that from our part that we'll, we'll, we'll go with the yogurt. And the drinkable yogurt was ready. The spoonable wasn't. So it's like, well, the drinkable yogurt is indexing pretty well. It's testing pretty well. In Europe, it sells four times the amount of spoonable yogurt, because mm. Europeans use it differently. They use it for their breakfast, right? You buy a larger, larger size and you throw in your cereal or your granola and you pour your, your drinkable yogurt on it. So, yeah, the yogurt category has been going down. And you were asking, like, what happened to yogurt? Mm-hmm. What really happened to yogurt is that it, it stopped being yogurt a long time ago and it became dessert. Mm. 28 grams of sugar in a one cup, right? And, and, and it... It stops serving the purpose that yogurt is for, which is good for your gut. So they don't, you know, first of all, those, none of the dairy yogurts can, can, can claim that they're prebiotic because they don't have any fiber in it, yeah. right? So they're probiotics. And so this, we all do that. We, by the way, are prebiotic as well because guess what? We don't break the oats. <laughs> we, we use all this, and the holy as they are. So what, what happened with them that people figured out that, oh, my God, it's actually not that healthy for you. Then finally... We figured out in the U.S. a few years ago, like gut health is a really big part of you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you, if you, how, how much into you know, gut health you are, but if you talk to any expert, and we all know this, the first thing you have to get rid of in your, in, in your diet is what? Sugar. Mm-hmm. So you have a probiotic <laughs> yogurt that has 28, it has more, more sugar than a can of Coke. And you go like, well, my gut's not getting any better. No. I almost cursed. So, <laughs> so, so, of course, it doesn't. So, so people are now, they've, they've figured that out. And yeah. now the category is, that's why it's been going down, down, down. Now then, on the consumer side, and actually the selling the product, then you, you touch that as well. You go in and there's like 300 SKUs on any given market. Yeah, it got oversaturated. Yeah. So what happens with oversaturation is always that then everybody's, it, it becomes a pricing issue. So you go to any large supermarket right now and you won't see, there won't be a day or week that Giovanni or Faget or Danone or one of these big guys, they, they're always on sale. There's always. always on sale. You know, so we're going to run a special for two weeks now with the blueberry, strawberry and whatever. And then next week we're going to run, you know. So what it does is, is it's kind of the, 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 the curse words word curse word for 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 retailer and and for manufacturer is that um there is no loyalty mm-hmm. so the consumer is taught to shop just based on a price yeah so <laughs> it's really fast that's that's the fastest way to just absolutely destroy the category uh-huh. so everybody's selling it lower and lower and lower and lower and consumer comes and goes like well i'm gonna buy that stuff and that stuff and that stuff and yeah that's it and the other thing would happen for a very very long time for the reason I do not know, um, the dairy sector got away with not not being organic. Hmm. It was really funny because, I mean, most consumers would demand organic and non-GMO and all that from everywhere else in the store. Hmm. But for whatever reason, the yogurt cold box is always like, well, you know, it's in a white box. It's pretty clean. 
<laughs> I don't know. It's like, it was it was one of those things that we we didn't we couldn't. I still don't know why, but yeah. they got a, they definitely got away with so much. Wow, you know. Yeah, there's so many there's so many little insights there that you just shared, uh, both from like what happens when a category gets too saturated and the race to the bottom on pricing, the the you know even even if you might have a great brand and a loyal following, what that ends up doing to the entire category and by virtue of that it ends up doing to the brands itself. Plus you layer on top of that the the very real issues with the products not delivering on the promise, which is people used to consume yogurt because of its gut benefits and later on you just people just started consuming yogurt because they liked it and it meant more sugar in it and became a dessert, which again defies a purpose why you would have yogurt. And I think I mean there's so many lessons in there to unpack and then apply no matter what category you're doing a, a product in because uh, it just tells you what lack of foresight and think too myopic thinking or short-term thinking can do to a category or product itself. So it's amazing that you're able to now launch a product knowing and having this this deep knowledge and insight into what has worked in the category. And it's also still kind of scary that you're entering into that category where You've got to compete on price. Mm-hmm. You've got to make sure that the product has zero to, to very little sugar, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, no added sugar, ideally. Uh, that it delivers on the gut health promises, plus that the actual ingredients are good for you. It has all the right macronutrients that people are typically looking for. Plus, on top of that, of course, it has to be plant-based and it has to taste great, of course. Yeah. So, you know, going in with that knowledge in a category that you know is facing these challenges, how do you how do you think you're going to stand out? I mean, I guess I kind of answered it. You've got those things going for you should help you stand out. But still, price, taste are big factors. Oh, they're um, huge factors, but but I think the um right now what's going on uh, is and and the, Man, you made me sweat now, but yeah, because <laughs> you you pointed out all the problems that I'm dealing with every day. Thank you for that. The uh, one one piece that's really challenging right now is, like I said, um, so the plant based and oat based side became really hot overnight. So there is a lack of really caring what the product is about. I think it's more important for a lot of people, a lot of companies right now to get something out there. So they are just saturating the market and they have so much cash. Because the old fact is that, you know, you get the product done, you get it sold in with the buyer at the store, but the real work starts once you're on a shelf. Now you get to get the consumer to try it. So what do you, how you drive trial with pricing with sampling, with coupons, you know, we, well, we have all these tools. They all cost unbelievable amount of money, and and you need you need you need to just raise you need to raise so much money in order to be able to see if it works on a store level. And that's the huge gamble here. You know, you spend all this time to get it ready, and then the real hurdle starts. So one way we've done it is I've I've personally done I don't know probably a couple hundred sampling. Um, demos in in New York City various various stores all over the place um because that's the best feedback you can get and that's how you build you build your loyal fan base but at the same time you have to recognize I'm talking about us we have recognized the fact that we are so small 
that, my God, I'm going to grind out there for 200 years to be able to get to, you know, any kind of level. So how you scale up and how do you, how do you work the, uh, how do you work the promotional calendar? How do you work? I mean, what's your trade spend? I mean, then, then it gets into this, this, mm-hmm. there's all these other stuff. So, so in a sense, the, 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 I've always said this, I'm 90% nerd and 10%, I don't know what. But but the nerd side of me loves the lab, loves the production, loves all that, loves the numbers and loves all that. But then you gotta get out there and start selling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a it's a it, you you have to recognize the fact that what are you up against? These guys are huge. They monsters. They can buy all the shelf space. So what's happening right now is that they're literally blocking the small people out. Mm-hmm. You can't get in. You just you just can't get in. Wow. You, yeah. got, you got a buyer who loves the product. You have, you know, fans that say, like, you got to get the product. And we, we dig the product. It's a really good product. And I can't get in because somebody already slotted in. Yeah. And so it, given all those challenges, and I'm, I, I want to take you away from the challenges because I'll put you in a bad mood. And that no, I'm not in a bad mood. Just not, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just getting, you know, super desperate here. So what, what do you think are, you I'll know. Split my wrists. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> Uh, although it might help the podcast, don't do that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, to be clear, uh, so so where, where do you where do you go with this? Right? Do you do you think you already are experimenting with two different formats? You've got the drinkable yogurt. You've got the the spoonable yogurt as well. So I've been reading a little bit about how maybe some of the next wave is that people. People's consumption habits when it comes to yogurt is also changing, especially the younger generation aren't necessarily consuming yogurt as breakfast. They want on-the-go on the snacks. Mm, snack, which is yep, yep, the drinkable. Yeah, so how do you, what, what sort of innovation do you see on that? This is my last question on the, on the nerdy stuff, and then I'd love to get into the bigger picture of why you're even doing this and what do you see is going to happen next. Finally. <laughs> nah. So, um, yeah, the drinkable side, and the... The funky thing with Drinkable is that, and first of all, I think we we were all wrong. Everybody was wrong about <laughs> it two years ago. It didn't take off as fast as we thought. It just it just didn't. Um, so it's an. I think it. I I personally think it's an application. Um, the Drinkable is that will work in the cities. Um, it's a tough sell on suburbs where people don't really need to be on the go. You know, these are the life lessons that everybody knows probably, but it took me a while to figure it out. Like, huh, it might be the bodegas in New York City where we want to offer that. Oh, it's going to be the airports where we are, by the way, in all the airports yeah, in New York City. That's yeah, a, that's really And it works good. really well. And by the way, it is... It is a it is an unbelievable moment. I had six months ago. I'm in JetBlue terminal. I got these three girls that are teenagers drinking our blueberry, you know, drinkable yogurt, and they were all giddy about it. And I I just I started crying, <laughs> and I I'm and I just had to walk away. And I'm like, my God, they just think this dude is weird. This old guy just <laughs> crying and walking away all of a sudden. But I was so touched. It's such an unbelievable moment to see that, you know, because uh-huh. you you're not. You're not there all the time with the yeah. with the consumer, but that's really what, where they is. It is. It's an experience what they get, yeah. and it's so much fun to see that you do something and actually touches somebody, and somebody else in, you know, enjoys it. Yeah. It's, just, it's, just, it's it's super cool feeling, man. So um, yeah, I think the drinkable will be will be more concentrating on the on the drinkable on on the metro areas where there really is a grab and go business. Um, and then the spoonable that's the supermarket, your usual grocery store, natural store. 
business model. Got it. We have, like I said, we have quite a few other things. We're just not a yogurt company. We have a lot of other things coming out. I can imagine. So let's let's talk about these other things. Like you mentioned earlier. But I'm not going to tell you anything about that. Those. Don't worry. We'll talk. We'll talk big picture now. We. Um, you mentioned you just threw this fact in there that you're 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 doing some of um, your sourcing of oats. You're planning to at least in, in the U.S. because mm. in the past you've been importing it from Scandinavia, and the first place you're starting is actually a dairy farm that you're converting into. Are you converting it into an oat farm, or you? Uh, is it a part of it that's going to also grow oat? Is it going to be a hybrid model? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. So no, we're not converting the whole farm. Okay. I know you know it, it's it's out there in the press, and we got a little bit of a you know heat from that. Like, oh, you're converting the whole 300 acres? No, <laughs> these guys have 200 head you know dairy farm, and they're really good people. They're young people, young couple, and and they they have a thriving business on that. They want to diversify it, and that's that's <laughs> what this really is. So um, it's it's pretty disheartening because I'm I I get probably three to four hate mails on on either on Facebook on direct messaging or on my my on or my email from dairy farmers that are really really in a trouble, mm. and and I, I'm just you know my heart goes out to them because how how much of a pickle do you have to be to act like that? Yeah. Like I would be that I'm the I'm the reason for it. I could actually do something. But if it makes you feel better, like, well, I guess, why not? But, I mean, it's it's not going to do anything. We, we See, the dairy farmers are, are, are super hardworking people. They're usually multi-generation farms. So I have never met in my lifetime. And I met a lot of people who said, like, I'm, I'm going to start farming. I sold my business. I'm going to start farming. And they usually go into growing tomatoes or wine or whatever crop it is that they grow. I have yet met anybody who, who is 55 and goes, like, I'm going to start a, you know, a cattle farm or I'm going to start a dairy farm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just don't do it. So these are multi-generation small farms that, been, that are now really, really suffering because consumer habits and you know the, the has has changed and that's what we all have to deal with so the beautiful thing is that the consumer every single time you go into a store you vote but every single time you buy anything you vote that's your vote so mm-hmm. buy organic buy buy less processed buy stuff that doesn't require that much water or doesn't harm the planet and they're going to start moving away from dairy as well dairy has been such a massive business that you know now it's it's in a tailspin in a sense it's never going to go away but it's it's in a tailspin so obviously the small farmers are really really hurting so our whole thing is that as as if you are a organic dairy farm already existing because we like the we like the manure we like we like the fertilizer we mm-hmm. get out of there immediately right and if you have acre you know if you have acres that have not been that have not been um where your cattle has not been out there, so it's not been stumped to the death, and it, you know the, the soil is actually in a good condition. Yeah, we really want to talk to you, and you're in the right kind of climate, meaning that you're in a, you know northern part of it. So because our oats really, they happy when they're a little bit in a colder and wetter mm. and you know darker climate. So that's our process. So so it's a twofold. It's well, it's actually threefold. It's a win for the planet. Mm-hmm. It's a win for us, and it's win for the farmer. That's what we want to do. So we're looking for you know willing partners like that, and yeah. we had a lot of lot of a lot of emails after the uh, after the news broke a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and so this is sort of your first test at that, and then eventually, I'm sure once you develop some sort of a a blueprint on how to do it, you can then replicate it. And- yeah. So the so the blueprint. This is actually way way 
way more than just a little little booklet you know that like that it sounds like so so we we're doing a very very deep deep study um with the university um mm-hmm. couple scientists so we will have a full blown on manual how to grow our oats and what environment it is and like i said we just got the soil soil study out of this one it's the gig in me is loving it because i'm looking at oh the ph is five seven here it's five nine there and oh this is going to be great we just have to get it to six you know yeah, and yeah. stuff like that so so we will do a um because also a lot of dairy farmers don't grow crop so they also have to learn that side so it's it's a very much of a two-way street in that sense yeah no, but that diversification is a good entry point to to addressing some of our issues. I mean, one of the criticisms often, sometimes I get this and others in the CPG space tend to get this, is and people are talking about plant-based and the future of food and food tech. They get, we get criticized at times for not actually knowing much about farming and not actually caring about farming. So, you, you know, it usually tends to become this debate between the... Either you believe in regenerative farming or you're like some Silicon Valley food tech nerd and there's no in-between. And I think that's obviously uh, sort of a misconception. There are some cases it's true, but I think for the most part, we we cannot fix our food system if we do not fix our soil. We cannot fix our, fix our food system without farmers. No. So oh, we need to find a solution to all of those problems. Or you will be importing everything from somewhere else that you actually don't know what's in it. Yeah, and then again, you add the food miles to that, and that's that's never a good thing from a environmental standpoint. So, what are your, you know, why are you doing this? I mean, you've you've obviously, I know you you did the whole film production mm. career, and you spent your you built that and did that for years. You've dabbled in food. First goal was not the best but probably learned a lot from it this you've gone in with a very different mindset and so far have really put in the effort to build something unique um and you know this seems like it's 2020 seems like it tells us like you're to come out and show the world what you're capable of what 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 excites you about the food world because it's you've gone from like film production which has got its own problems to this world, which is a complicated mess. And has no problems at all. <laughs> so what what inspires you? Really, and I, you know, and without sounding too, sounding too hokey with this, the future of the planet weighs on us really hard. It, it, it really weighs on me like a ton of bricks on my shoulders. We have to fix the source. We have to do better at this. This cannot only be. I, I think that the, I think the next step is, and I think this might answer your question. The next step is that I, th- I hope that people will will start thinking about what type of products, being a plant based or whatever it is, deserve to be the hits. And this comes boils down to the fact, like, how much resources do we have to have to pull together to do that? Is it just something that's just just pushed together just to please the market right now because there's an opening? Mm-hmm. Um, and and we created this to be like we say that you know the future of plant based is here. We we always considered ourselves from coming out of the gate, you know, oats 2.0. This is already is this is already the upgrade. This is the next phase of it. Um, so let's skip the enzymes. Let's skip the hot process. Let's skip the added sugars. Let's go into what it really is and let's not mess with the um with let, let's 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 not mess with the source at all and and i think that for us it is it is so very important that we 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 get to the point where 
everything we do is is thought from 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 the point of view of what's good for the planet, what's good for the people, and how do we do this that we don't that 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 is sustainable that we can actually not only whatever we take out that we can that we can replant, but how do we how do we make the soil healthy again? How do, how do we add? How do we how do we return? To what it used to be before we actually got in and get involved and, and just kind of like effed it up. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that you know I guess oats is going to be your flagship ingredient? And maybe I'm trying my best to get into what's coming next with mm. Elsa. But do you, is that where you're going to keep your focus and build a portfolio of products with that ingredient, or are you open to other ingredients provided they meet those criteria of sustainability? ability to produce a clean label product and then of course deliver a great tasting uh, product that people actually want yeah, to no, buy. Yeah, no, you no, uh, you, you hit it you hit it you hit it on the sec- the second piece. Yeah, we we not so we are an old company because we know oats best, we know what we can do with oats. Um but trust me, we're working on other stuff that if we can if if we can get it to work just the way that oats do, mm-hmm. like and we're hitting all these other cold posts, um that is what we want to do. Yeah, we we not we not stuck on that. But at the same time, I'm sure that our investors are also listening to this. So I'm not going to five fifteen thousand directions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm focusing. I'm focusing because sometimes we have these meetings and people are like, "Oh my god!" And I was talking about this and this, and I'm trying to explain everybody. I'm not doing this next week, mm-hmm. but we're looking. This is a very very long term play. Mm-hmm. So we can't only be a yogurt company forever. Eventually, we will have other products coming out. But I can tell you this. Um, so when one is on, on, on R&D for a while, things happen. You know, I was trying to, I was trying to make um, ice cream at one point. We do have an ice cream as well. We'll see if we ever bring it out or not. But so when I was trying to make ice cream, it just sucked. But it was pretty darn good cream cheese. Oh. So, <laughs> so, so there, there are happy accidents, yeah. you know, like always, you know, mm. um, and 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 so we we do have a we do have a pretty big portfolio of, of different products. But yes, oats are our main focus. Yogurt is our play right now. But yeah, definitely we have we have a lot of lot of other plans. And you see yourself keeping this commitment, right? You said in the beginning, the product has to be sustainable. It has to be organic, organic, and it has to be free of any. Additives. Any. That's a huge commitment yeah. you're making right yeah. now. Because, but I think it's the right commitment because uh, even if, if just from my end of one, uh, I consider myself to be a, a bystander observing other people struggling through the process of launching and growing food companies, and I take a lot of delight in it. Um, but what I'm oh, saying, oh, the delight of watching the suffering, yes. or <laughs> well, the success and the suffering. It's right. all part of the. It's all part of the journey. Now you sound like you're from Finland. <laughs> so, it, you know, for me, what I've noticed though is that uh, these things come in waves, right? And and first, the the wave was all about how do we just replicate the taste, texture of a dairy product or a meat product. But you and have to. You have to, and that was the, o- the only focus. Oh, right, right. right. Yeah. It was just like we've got to replicate it. No Use matter whatever you yeah, need yeah, to yeah, yeah, get yeah. the ingredients from wherever. Yep. As long as we got something that kind of tastes like you know what people would think milk tastes like or cheese tastes like, and then of course, no one notices in the beginning until someone becomes successful, and then 
there's popularity around the products, and then there's backlash that in- inevitably follows. Yeah. Right? When you have a company that succeeds, then people are like, wait, let's turn the, the packaging around. What's on that ingredient label? What do, these pro- what do these ingredients mean? Right on. And so in this day and age, we are moving towards um, the age of more and more transparency. And if, if there's any indication of why consumer habits are shifting and why it's tougher and tougher to c- trick a consumer into buying a probiotic yogurt that's got 28 grams of sugar. It's because consumers are just getting smarter. They have access to information online, and that's gonna, those barriers to the truth are continuously going to break down even further. Fantastic, huh? So that's the future we're headed towards. So knowing that already, if you really want to succeed in the long term, you should lead with transparency, and you have to know that the second wave in the plant-based food space is going to be Okay, how can we have products that can replace the things that we typically got from dairy or the things we got from meat and and eggs, but make sure that these new things that we're replacing the meat, dairy, and eggs with aren't worse for us or not equally as bad for us or don't have other unintended environmental or health consequences. So I think the second wave, which is starting to happen now... You're absolutely right. ...is nutrition, is health. Yep, you're absolutely right. The transparency is a key here. And I I love the fact where you just said that, that... Just because it's plant-based mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's actually good for you. Because you look at some of the stuff, they're like, holy crap, dude, 28 ingredients, <laughs> and you were able to make a, some sort of a patty out of it that I can then throw into the oven, and it's, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so so I always, I, I say this, that that a lot of times to me it feels like that that food is science gone mad. You know, that it literally somebody walks into a lab and it has, you, you've seen, you know, how yeah. food labs operate. You have 48,000 little little, you know, glass bottles of different kind of flavorings and all yep. that. Kind of, and they just kind of throwing it in. You know, at some point you go like, well, shit, I have, all, I'm sorry, I already have like 28 different ingredients, but it's too loose right now. Well, let me add this and let me add this. And it just keep adding and adding and adding. Eventually it's just like, uh, it's not, I don't know what it is. Yeah. So, so if your point is just to go into plant-based just because you want to go into plant-based, you actually might be better off eating the real thing, mm. right? I don't eat meat myself, but I don't ban everybody, who, anyone who eats it. You know, it's, the, it's your personal choice. Yeah, I mean, it has hell of an environmental impact and, and all these other things. But if the alternative is to do whatever that is, yeah. you know, um, regardless if it has raised $900 million and regardless if they have, you know, applied for 1,200 patents and, re, you know, yeah. Or and Bill Gates is behind it, and Warren Buffett's behind it because they really care about the planet. They're not trying to replicate the Microsoft play, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. So no, I I think it's it's so it's as long as we look at it at this as this progression, and you face the truth that that you 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 have to keep improving on the products, and you have the advantage of now having seen how some of this is actually played out where you can lead already 10 steps ahead. But of course, the products still have to be creamy. Right. I almost made a list of like, for someone to succeed in the yogurt category, what they're going to need. Yeah. And top of that list is still creamy texture and taste. Yeah. Right. If you fail at that, and then interesting flavors, that's what consumers also expect, as much as they expect transparency. Yes. If you give them, you know, it reminds me of like, I, I stopped eating meat 10 years ago, and and uh, I was traveling in, in Europe, actually, and I was in Denmark and saw a vegan restaurant, got really excited. And this, just a side tangent, but I think there's a point here. Right. And I think that I didn't know, but the restaurant, I think, was raw vegan. And they said they had pizza. And I 
It's like, pizza? Let's get some pizza. It was basically like a dehydrated cracker that was the, oh, the, the, the with, with some greens. It was not pizza by any stretch of the imagination. But it was healthy, I'm sure, but it was not pizza. So you can't go to that end of the spectrum also where you're like, health is so important that your product actually tastes terrible and and is not at all what people expect it to be. So you've got to bridge that gap. And I think... You know, if you've been able to make a leap from a technological standpoint to bridge that gap where your end product is yogurt, but it just so happens to be without all those gums and additives and, and is dairy. organic yeah. and dairy, of course, yeah. obviously, um, then then you then you're on the right path. So I, I, I definitely, you know, I wanted to. I know I've been scaring you a little bit with some of my <laughs> uh, bleak outlook about. The crowded oh, CPG space, oh, and I have many me. more things I can say about that. Oh, trust me, I've heard of, I've probably heard of most of it at least. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I'm, I know you've talked to really smart investors, and, and they know a billion times more than what I do. Uh, but I would like to say that you know, if you you stand by those values, and you are able to pull off good tasting products that are, can be priced competitively, then. You have a shot. Yeah, we have a, exactly. That's, that's that's all you yeah. need. A yeah. shot at a succeeding, shot. Yeah. and then the rest really is up to the market and consumers yeah. and how much you yeah. what kind of brand you build. The, the funny thing is that that um, so, and I'm using it loosely here, but a little bit of kind of the, the flex eating is is mm-hmm. going on, which is in in my case, for example, it means that I try to eat as healthy as I can, and then you know, of course, I, I it's oh look at that donuts and <laughs> diet coke and all the other jazz and then I go like oh my god what did I do and I won't touch them for three weeks and then I fall off the wagon again right I think we all do that so where I think that there's a massive play right now is that there are there are a whole slew of people who go who want to go from dairy yogurt to plant-based yogurt so they're willing to try right now so even when they buy a product they go like wow I'm never gonna try that again you know they'll come back for something else in a dairy so they don't they they don't um, right off the whole category of plant-based. They understand that there's going to be a lot of offerings and it's going to be a little off and not all of them are going to work for you and all that. But I think the key here is that we will have this play going on forward right now that you have people who still eat dairy yogurt and they, they're going to start substituting a little bit with the plants. It's going to be a little bit mm-hmm. of like a like a half and half, which I think is the, the, the moderation lifestyle that we all should have. You know, Because once you go into this, this this cardboard pizza play that you just you described, <laughs> you know, they're like, well, we call it pizza. And you look at it like, holy, no, dude, no, that's a cracker <laughs> with, <laughs> with some kale on it. <laughs> you know, so so cause, cause extremism hardly ever works yeah. on anything, right? Like simplifying things. I, I've said this over and over again. If, if you simplify too much and you kind of and, and you make it too hardcore, you, you're not going to succeed on the market. You just won't succeed. They might make you a president of this country. <laughs> well, come on, we do, we do that. You know, we we choose presidents with one word. You know, so as 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 a platform. But um, but um, but if you if you try to do a successful and and, and the, well, the fact is here is that also if you think about it this way, so yeah, of course we want to be successful. We want to get return for the money and the investment and everybody all that. But if we make this successful. It is a massive win for the planet. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to go and preach in the street corner there like stop doing this and stop doing mm-hmm. that and and we're going to save the planet. Why don't we just save the planet by chasing the crap that we do right now? Mm. Yeah. I mean just pr- provide a better solution. I mean I I say the answer is eventually we, the only chance we truly have to save the planet with our food system if we end up making the sustainable 
and the healthy choice the default choice. Yeah. And that's up to the food industry. You can educate consumers as much as you want. Sure. But if you if the if the products that you walk in when you walk into a grocery store you're surrounded by bad options, then you're gonna go with bad options. Because then yeah, that's all you got. Of yeah. course. Yeah. And even as healthy as you're trying to be and as informed as you are, including yourself, the fact that once in a while we all mess up and often sometimes you all mess up because that's what's available and it's abundant. What if you can change that? And that's why I think it's important for the and I think it's a good sign that big food companies are starting to see this trend and and, and sort of whether you're jumping on the bandwagon or uh, seeing the opportunity financially, it doesn't matter. Consumers are heading in this direction. We've got to create more and more products. And then you, you, you just end up in this you know, basic of economics, demand, supply. And then before yeah. you know it, you've hopefully changed the yeah. food system. Like I said, consumer will change it. Not the, not the food industry, you know. Not nobody changes un, unless they have to. You know, mm-hmm. these things are so huge. You know, um, corporations are not people. You know, regardless what somebody else said back in the day. <laughs> you know, the, the 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 people will make the change. So you vote every single time. Buy organic. Buy this. Buy that. Buy that, and it will change. That's the only reason why these big guys are jumping into this game right yeah. now. Yeah, because they saw like, oh, holy crap, my you know my my core business is tanking. What do we do? Oh, there's there's the business. I'm reading the Excel. Looks like that's doing really well. Let's let's throw something out there. <laughs> yeah. And we all know that you know out of those 18 oat milks that are on on the market right now, not all of them going to survive. No. It, it's it's just it's just the fight for the fittest or the smartest or the luckiest or 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 the one who can speak to the the consumer the best. Right. No, I understand, and I, th- I totally agree with that. So, you know, let's let's look far ahead. Uh, we're 7.5 billion people on the planet today. We're expected to be 10 billion by the year 2050. I obviously give that number and that year because I think um, we we the work we do now is going to determine if we're going to be able to feed the world sustainably in 2050 without draining our natural resources and and making this planet a very very hard place to live in. But if you get it right. If you succeed at your mission and other companies in the plant-based food space and in the you know sustainable agriculture space deliver on their promise as well as big food companies jump on the bandwagon, invest money in the space, acquire companies in the space, when we get it right, what does that future look like for you? What is the future of farming and the food system if we get it right in the next decade or so? This is your optimistic view of the world. This is my optimistic view of the world for the, the very, very small question you just threw at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a simple, simple thing to understand. No, here, um, look, what I think that, that we'll have a good balance um, on – no, you're talking about the whole planet. So, so I, I, can, I can get kind of geeky with this stuff but because the, the reality, for example, is that once a nation starts getting wealthier and people get more and more money, they're going to start eating more and more red meat. It just, it just happens. So that's inherently bad for the planet. But if we think about that, that let's say that we, we're talking about um, industrialized countries that are on a, pretty much on an equal footing with the, uh, with the amount of money that everybody makes and, and how, how healthy society is. I think we're going to have a really good mix. We're going to have a really good balance. So we will have a lot of plant-based products. We also will have the meat. We will have the dairy. But none, none of it's going to overpower. And hopefully we finally – this is 2050? Yes. So in 30 years, we probably have figured out that, that, that glyphosate is really bad for you. And we by the, that time, we have already figured out that, okay, so we, this, this and this many people got cancer out of it or whatever, and, and we have stopped using it. And we have figured out that if we don't go with the monoculture on grains and, and, and on farming, 
we can crop rotate our way out of using all the fertilizers and pesticides and, and glyphosates, and we can still get the yield up, and the farmer and everybody still is going to make some money out of it. Right. How's that? That is an that that in itself would be the biggest. That one thing, if it did happen, would be a a, a significant win for the for the planet. Yeah, but we can get there, but yeah. we just have to start buying the right stuff. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to people, and that's why I hope people listening, no matter what the role or space they occupy in the food industry or not, or they're just informed consumers is they start asking these questions. They start when they go, of course, the first step is choose plant-based. When you're buying products that you put in your refrigerator and your pantry uh, and eat more fruits and vegetables. But when you're buying packaged products, know that there are better ones out there and ask questions and demand for more. And then it moves the whole industry towards this direction of making sure things are organic, sustainable. And of course, we're using less additives and chemicals and colorants and whatever yeah. else we put in our food. Oh, for sure. Yep. You're absolutely right. Mika, I totally enjoyed this conversation. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, I can't wait for your products to be all around the West Coast as well uh, and and to hear about what's next with uh, your new product launches, which you didn't want to tell me about today, but that's okay. We will find out soon. <laughs> yeah, you will. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. And, you know, just let's be good people. Be a mensch. It's a great word. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll end with that. Thank you. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.